Yeah. Uh, we, we, we had a retreat day all day yesterday. Um, and as we sat in it, one of the things that, that I was talking to our team about, and I think is important with what just happened there, is uh, we have to learn to celebrate vulnerability when it's offered. You know, the story of Scripture is uh, in the beginning, God creates the Garden of Eden, puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They live in the garden naked and unashamed with complete vulnerability before God and before one another. And then we know the story goes that Adam and Eve are given this command, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They go, they grab hold of the fruit, they eat it. And it says two things happened. They realized they were naked and out of shame, they covered up. And then they felt afraid, so they hid behind a bush. And since Adam and Eve fell, that's the pattern that we walk in in the world. We feel vulnerable, we feel ashamed, we feel afraid, so we hide and we cover up. So for someone to come up here and say, here's a thing that's been going on in my life, and I want to present this to you in a vulnerable place, that's that's returning to the way God intends us to be, where we're naked and unashamed before one another. And so I just want to celebrate that and continue to celebrate as a church as we step into greater vulnerability and trust together, because we know that if we're a, well, we know if we're a leadership team that are walking in vulnerability, we will help shepherd the church into vulnerability. And we know if this is a community that embraces vulnerability, then anybody from out there with any kind of brokenness and anyone in here with any kind of brokenness has space to disclose that and be loved and accepted and and able to move forward. So a couple of little housekeeping things just for the sake of clarity. So I said I inherited a leadership team. So the way this church has typically functioned is they have a governing board made up of men and women and they have an elder board made up of just men and they partner together in Shepherd in the Church. We're in this season where... um, because of the work of Vital Church, because of some of the brokenness and how the church was functioning before, um, the district office came in, they brought in an interim pastor, and the job of a ministry like Vital Church and an interim pastor is to break down all of the broken systems. So typically when a church is broken, there's broken leadership, and so they remove all the leadership. And so how we're functioning right now is the district office, Dennis and Jason, and a couple of the other guys over there are our elder board right now. Um, They function as our elder board, and we still have our governing board, our interim leadership team that are in place here. And so I am uh, discerning with the people in the building uh, who are our leadership team. I'm discerning with them where we're going, and then I consult with the district office for approval for anything that we're doing. So we're in this interim place. The goal is that as we reestablish the vision of the church, that we're going to get to a point, hopefully pretty soon, we're going to re-elect elders, we're going to re-establish our membership process, uh, and we're going to become fully autonomous as a church again. So right now, we're under the, the kind of wing of our mother hen, uh, the district office, who are taking good care of us. So just, I realize when you have people up here and you use words leader, and people are like, I don't know what you think about that here as a church. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little confusing, um, but we're in a good process that the district is putting us through. So that aside, I want to launch this series today. And so, you know, we are looking in Scripture, we've been looking at Acts and this command to go. 
And so for months, I've been talking about as the church, we've got to rediscover this impetus to be sent out into the world. But that means at some point, we have to respond to it. And the biblical word that comes up over and over again, you've heard me mention this word before, the biblical word that comes up over and over again, that is really the response after any command, is this word, arise. Um, And so as we're moving forward and we're talking about what does discipleship look like here at Alliance Bible Church, we're kind of going to put our discipleship process under this title, Arise, Um, because this is really the call to take everything that we've been looking at and everything that we've been doing and step into it as a church. So Alliance Bible Church's discipleship process moving forward, we're going to use this word arise a lot. So what I want to do this morning, this is not going to be my typical sermon, so again, sorry if you're like visiting for the first time and, or sorry if you've invited someone for the first time and it's not gonna be quite my usual like aggressive, like feisty self. Um, But I want to walk through why I think this word is important. Uh, Some of the significance in scripture and in this, I'm hoping you're gonna hear elements of the journey this church has been on. If you're not part of this church, I'm hoping you're gonna hear your understanding of what we're called to as the church in scripture as we look at several passages that encapsulate what this word means and what we're then stepping into as a church as we look at the discipleship process. So so from here, uh, we're going to spend subsequent weeks, we're going to start articulating values. I'm going to send out a document that you'll be able to look at um, that are summarizing what happened in the church summits and then some of the conversations that have been happening since. So the word arise, you've heard me talk about this before when we're at Acts 9, it came up a lot, but I'm going to stick up on the screen uh, the, the Hebrew and the Greek, um, just because I know some people are geeks with this stuff and like to write down funny squiggles. Um, so the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, the word arise is this word kum, um, and it has multiple meanings, to arise, to establish, to stand up, to get up, to solidify. Um, so Old Testament is written in Hebrew, so that's the word that's typically used in the Old Testament. When you move over into the New Testament, we're writing in Greek, and the word that they use is anastemi, um, which is the word, again, to arise, to stand up, to get up, to... Um, <clears throat> I've put a second word under here, um, and we'll get to this later, but just significant. Um, anastemi is the verb, anastasis is the noun from which we get the word resurrection. So this, this word to arise is really rooted in the whole biblical concept of resurrection. And so we're going to talk about what this means. I'm going to run through some scriptures. <clears throat> but I want to look at seven ways that I think this word is really meaningful when it comes to discipleship process. And, and seven ways that I think when we look at the process this church has been in, uh, these things encapsulate who we want to be, uh, who you've wanted to be in the past and who we want to be as we step forward. Um, so first one here, arise is a call to action. And so it is biblical imperative in this part of Scripture. So we're looking at Isaiah 60. Um, I've been reading during our prayer times and at different points during the service, Isaiah 58 to 62, a lot. Asking, what does this mean for us as a church? What does it mean as we move out into the city? But the first thing is, the word arise is a call to action. And as a church that for a long time has been inwardly focused, not engaging the community out there, really what we need is the call to action. It's what I've been talking about um, 
you've been talking about it for years. Vital Church were talking about it while you were, we, they were here. We've been talking about it for the last year. I hear in my conversations with you, you're hungry to step up and get out there. And so we're gonna lean into this. Um, but Isaiah 60 begins, arise and shine. This is uh, Isaiah, God's talking through Isaiah to the people of Israel. Um, he's gone through all of their brokenness. He's gone all of the, through all of the judgment to Israel and the nations. He's calling them back to his heart. And then in light of all of their brokenness, all of their failures as a nation, all of the ways they quote unquote prostituted themselves after other gods, despite all of that, because of the promise of the Messiah, Isaiah looks at the people and speaks God's words, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And he goes on to say, darkness is like over the face of the earth. It's a thick darkness, who can stand it? But because of the light of the Messiah, we can transform the darkness that's out there. So, so the first thing when we're thinking about the word arise and what does it mean to arise in discipleship? It's a call to action to be God's instruments in the world tackling the darkness and the oppression and the pain and the hurt and the confusion, bringing his light in. That's, that's the, the one sentence summary, I guess, of the entire Acts series right there. <clears throat> Number two, and this is, if you've been around me, you know this is my heart. Arise is really a call to intercession. And one of the things that drew me to this church when I was looking at the documentation as you were looking for a pastor was the desire to step into intentional prayer. So one of the ways you see this word used most often, especially when we're looking at the Psalms and the prophets, is not a declaration to us to act, but it's actually an invocation to God to act. And so it, Psalm 10 is a great example. Arise, O Lord. Lift up your hand, O God, and do not forget the helpless. It's what we do when we gather in prayer on Tuesday as we're looking at all of the, the health issues and the brokenness that's in our networks and we gather as a group and we're saying, arise, O God, bring healing, bring transformation, bring justice. It's what we do every Sunday as we gather before the service and we're crying out, God, there is hurt and pain and brokenness in our city. Uh, arise and do what you're gonna do. And part of that is he's gonna move and he's gonna do things. The primary way he's gonna do that is by pouring his power in his people to go out. So when we call on God, arise, O God, and come to our aid, what happens in scripture? Well, another army starts attacking the first one. Uh, or, or suddenly they hear a noise in the trees and everyone goes running off. And so God uses uh, earthly medium to help bring his will about. And so the, the pattern that we're gonna be trying to walk in, the pattern that we've been studying as a leadership team, um, and then there's other teams in the church where we've been having this conversation is, we don't wanna sit in a room and just pray and be like, we're just gonna pray and pray and do nothing. Uh, we don't wanna just decide one day, we're just gonna go do stuff and we're just gonna make a whole bunch of stuff happen. We want to be a church that gets on our knees that cries out to God and says, hey God, what is it that you wanna do in this world? We wanna invoke him to arise and change us. We wanna invoke him to arise and change the city. 
and then as we identify with his heart and as we acknowledge the pain and the brokenness that's around us, then from that place, we partner with him and stepping out into the things that we're going to do. So really what it's going to look like is arise, O God, and come to our aid. Arise, O church, and do the things that God is already revealing. This is what we're trying to step into that you're already longing for. Um, number three is a call to healing. Uh, one of the ways this word gets used, this is Mark chapter 5. We saw this happen in Acts chapter 9 and multiple points through the story. Um, I, I chose Mark 5 just because it actually has the Aramaic word transliterated that I had up earlier. So this is the, this sick little girl and Jesus goes up to her and he takes her by the hand and he simply looks at her and he says, Talitha kum, little one, arise. And the sick little girl on the verge of death stands up in full healing and wholeness. And most of the time in scripture, you see these moments where one of the disciples or Jesus walk by some people on the ground and it's like, hey, pick up your mat and walk. Usually the word is, pick the thing up, arise and go. A lot of the times when commands are being given, um, it's, it's get up and go. It's, it's an arise statement and it's, it's tied to healing. Um, Christian Missionary Alliance is a denomination that believes that we serve a God who heals. Um, does he heal every single time we pray for it? No. Does that stop us from praying for it? No. Um, so we stand in a posture, God has the capability, and it's our job to intercede for people and ask for healing, uh, and then partner with them uh, as we walk through the journey, to knowing that the ultimate healing will come one day when we leave these fallen bodies uh, and are united with Jesus in a new way. Um, so we want to be a church that is marked by healing. I want to see, I would love to see on Sunday, ill people walking into service, uh, being ministered to in prayer, uh, people being set free from depression, people uh, with self-esteem issues being released, people with mental health issues being set free, people with physical brokenness being healed. That's, I think we all long for that, right? We long to see God moving. And it feels like we have an inordinate amount of issues with cancers uh, and ailments and pains that people are walking in. I want to see this be a church of healing, but that's gonna mean arise. It's going to mean us standing in God's authority and helping command his power to move and asking that we would arise. So this word, um, it's a call to action, it's a call to intercession, and it's a call to walk in healing, um, which we all long for. And man, what would it be like if, if as a church we were so steeped in prayer and so attuned with his will that we saw more healing happening in the community around about us and the lives of the people that we care about. That'd be amazing. Um, number four up here um, is the hope of resurrection. So I already said this word in scripture is tied to resurrection. Here's 1 Thessalonians 4. We believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And that word rose again is the word anastami. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So our faith is all rooted in the hope of resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is like, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then it's all a load of nonsense. You can all go home. 
Uh, he's like, but Jesus was raised and that changes everything because he's alive. He sent his spirit, his spirit lives in us. So we get to carry the life of Jesus into the world. Uh, we get to experience it in our body and we have a hope that when this life ends, there is a greater future with him that involves resurrection. Um, and, and so this is the core of discipleship, right? We're preaching the gospel of resurrection. Uh, and we're longing to see it at work in our own life. So the prayer I constantly have for this church is that God would be resurrecting us, that the shattered dreams of our life would be redeemed and resurrected and used for his purposes, that the pain and the shame that we've suffered would be resurrected and redeemed and used for his glory, that the areas of our life where there's death and destruction and where we feel like we're not connecting with God, we're not living the way we should, where we're caught up in sin and brokenness, that we'd experience resurrection. Uh, in our lives, it's what we're praying over this church. God, resurrect us, not to be a church that's on decline in the steady process of death, but a church resurrected to be the body of Christ moving out in the world. Do you believe, do you know and believe that that's what God does? He resurrects dead bodies, and the church is the body of Christ. So he specializes in resurrecting churches that are in decline if people are willing to turn to him and do what he says, arise and all of the things that I'm calling you to. So we wanna be a church that preaches the resurrection, that brings people to the resurrected Christ and that are agents of the resurrection power of Jesus as we minister in the world. Uh, number five, where you see this word in scripture, I'm calling it trust and positioning. You could call it leadership. You could, uh, better word would be sovereign positioning, but it didn't fit very well on the screen, so we just abbreviated, <laughs> being honest. Um, but this amazing moment, you know the story of Esther, I'm sure. Um, the, the Jewish nation is being persecuted. This man, th there's a, a king that's in place. This man, Haman, has taken an issue with this person, Mordecai. And so he decides, like, we're going to strike down all of the Jews. And so there's this declaration of genocide that's issued, and they're going to kill all the Jewish people. The backstory is this beautiful girl, Esther, has been taken into the king's palace as a sex slave. Um, the story's not as glamorous as we like to portray it. Um, and so she's taken in, but, but all of this horrible stuff is going on. God's hand is guiding. But there comes this moment in the middle of the story where Mordecai is looking at Esther and he says, if you remain silent, like if she goes to the king, she might die because he's not called for her. But he's, he, so she's not wanting to go and initiate something. But Mordecai looks at her, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place. Who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And one of the elements of this story, we sanitize it and we teach a happy Sunday school kids version of the story. It's a messy, dirty, trafficking-ish story. Um, but in the middle of all of that, God is at work. And there's this moment where, where God has sovereignly positioned someone in the middle of all the pain and the brokenness and the confusion, in the midst of this declaration of mass genocide, positioned for a purpose. 
And the danger is, if you don't stand up and do the thing that God's called you to do, I will cause someone else to arise and do it, but I have positioned you for this purpose. Which means in your life, in the family you're a part of, in the business you're in, in the neighborhood you're in, in the church that you serve, you have been sovereignly positioned by God to be his agent. And you get an invitation. The invitation is to partner with him in bringing life and transformation or he will cause deliverance to arise from somewhere else. You're not cast aside. You're not now no longer one of God's people, but you lose out on the ability to be his agent and experience the fruit of transformation worked through your life. I think we need to remember this, especially as a church. I look every time I drive past, I'm just like, God has plopped this church right in the middle of a neighborhood that if you don't naturally drive down Bentley Street, you have no idea it's here. Like God has sovereignly positioned it. If we will step into what he is asking us to do, if we as a church will arise into our discipleship and formation, there is fruit we're going to see. And if we don't, he'll do what he's been doing. There are churches been planted all over the city to reach the lost. Um, and so we get a choice. Are we going to let someone else do it? Or are we going to step into it? Um, that's part of this call to arise. Um, number six, uh, I, I've called it trust in promises. Um, one of the ways you see this word used in Scripture, which is core for Christianity again, um, is it's used in the, the, the language and the framing of establishing the things that God wants to do, especially as it relates to his word, his promises, his covenant. So these words that say, you know, I will establish my covenant with my people, starting all the way back in Genesis. This promise to establish, it literally is saying, I will cause my promise and my covenant to arise in the land or to arise in the hearts of people. So tied to this language of arising is not just we're going to get up there and do a bunch of action, but it's about grounding ourselves in the truth of Scripture, and it's about allowing God to establish that truth in us and cause it to arise in and through us and burst out of our body and spew over the person next to us, right? That's the hope. Uh, all these images in Scripture of a wellspring of life that bursts out. Like we're supposed to it's like shake a bottle of champagne, take the top off, spray the person next to you. That's what our relationship with Jesus is supposed to be like. His Word embedded in us, arising up through us, and pouring out into the world around us. The last one um, I call a new identity. Um, and the word arise, part of this is biblical and part of this is just me being Scottish, right? We're going to admit this. Um, but the command in Scripture to arise is often tied to an identity change and a vocational change. So you've got a story like Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts 9 who's knocked off his horse. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then it says, get up, arise and go find this guy, Ananias, who's going to pray for you, and you're going to be my uh, ambassador to the Gentile nations. And so this moment of calling that causes them to rise up and go. Um, you've got this beautiful moment in the middle of Song of Solomon, where uh, the, the man is talking to his wife uh, and says, my she's, she's talking, my beloved spoke to me, and here's what he said. He said, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come away with me. 
It's a statement of identity, like that invitation to arise is rooted in understanding the identity as beloved and treasured and cared for. Um, I say it's also Scottish because of this part. Uh, you're familiar with the Knights of the Round Table, right? King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. When, it, when I think about this word, I think the folkloric way that we tend to hear and see this word are in the old movies where someone is being knighted. So this is uh, Sir Tom Moore. I, I'm sure you followed his story. You know his story? No? Oh my goodness. So this is a very old man who decided, I'm trying to think what he actually raised the money for. Was it COVID issues? But he decided one day he was going to raise funds to try and solve an issue that was happening. And he set a goal of raising a thousand pounds, so about $1,400. And to do it, he decided he would walk back and forward the length of his backyard uh, X number of times until he got to a thousand pounds. He raised over a million pounds walking back and forward for days in his yard, just out this commitment, like, what can I do to help? There's not very much. I can barely walk. Well, I'm just going to push my thing back and forward. He had such a profound impact on Britain as a whole, and the story went around the world that he's no longer Captain Tom Moore. He had this moment where he came to the Queen and was knighted. Now, it's not what the Queen actually says when she knights someone, but, but in, in folklore and in story and imagery, the person comes and stands before the King or kneels before the King, you come in as Captain Tom Moore. You kneel down on the ground in front of the king. The king puts the sword on your shoulder and says, Arise, Sir Tom Moore. And you're given a new identity. And I think that image is important because this is the spiritual journey. You walk in life with your name. Uh, Jesus calls to you. And you come before the king, he says, get down on your knees before me in humility and admit that I am the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the one who rules over all of this, the one who died for you. Make me the Lord and ruler of your life. And you say, Jesus, I believe that that's what you did and I wanna be your agent in the world. And he goes, arise, prince and ruler of the kingdom of God and sends us out into the world. This is the calling that we have. I was deliberate with this picture. There's loads of pictures that I could have chosen of someone on their knees before one of the royalty uh, getting knighted. But what I love about this is it's not about being on your knees and standing up, right? It's a heart posture. Could he have gotten on his knees and stood up? I'm not entirely sure based on what I've seen online. Um, he could have got some help, but it's not about that. It's about the heart posture of surrender. Sac this was, it was sacrificial service um, that then it resulted in him being granted this new identity as Sir Tom Moore, which means he has a role in the hierarchy of governing uh, the land of Great Britain. And I think that's a fantastic picture of what we're called into as believers. As God calls us to arise, he's not just saying go do stuff. He's saying, I have gifted you with a new identity. You have position and responsibility and influence within my kingdom. I am training you as a royal priest, which means you mediate my presence to people that don't know me, that are broken apart from me, and you get to rule and help establish the kingdom as I would like it here on the earth. 
And what's that kingdom look like? It's a kingdom marked by the self-sacrificial love of Jesus and the way we relate to others and in the way we relate to the world. And it's a kingdom that's rooted on the truths as revealed in Scripture. So all of that to say, as we're walking into this next season, we're going to be working through some core values like prayer as a value for our church. And we're gonna group it all under this heading, arise. And so I'm gonna be saying we're gonna arise in prayer, we're gonna arise in, in, I'm not gonna give them all away yet. Arise in this and arise in that as a way of saying as a church, as Alliance Bible Church, this is the commitment we're making. We're gonna shape all our values, all of our rhythms, all of our ministries, all of our outreach around the values that we're gonna discuss over the next couple of months as we respond to everything that God has done up till now and we choose to arise into the calling that he has given us as individuals and as a church. Does that sound all right? <laughs> Does that sound like some stuff we want to be a part of as the church? That's what I want to know. Okay, good, good. We're, we're on the same page because otherwise I should go find another job. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm glad. So what, what we're going to do from here, we're going to um, have the, the band come up and lead in, in, in a few more songs. If you're been around here a lot, you'll know we normally do most of the work music at the beginning, and we just finish with one song. We're, we're changing things up a little bit, and we just want to give people a chance to reflect a little longer at the end of the messages. So we're going to do a little set of three songs just now, just as a chance to reflect, and there's different ways that you can respond. It may be that you, you look back through the things that, that were the points that you may have written down and, and ask, was there one of these that God is challenging you to step into? It may be that you're like, hey, I'm really in a mess today or I really struggle with something. I'd love prayer. Um, I'm just going to say Kim and Aaron are going to pray for you. Uh, so you can come over here to this table and people will pray for you if you need some prayer. Um, and other than that, just enjoy the song and just enjoy the, the words as you declare the goodness of God and then you celebrate who he is and what he's, what he's done. So let me pray. Um, God, it's, it's a, a weird, a fun, and an exciting season as a church. Thank you um, for all of the work that you've done since this church was birthed, all of the work that's been done through the process with Vital Church, and just the grace that this church has walked in in the last year as I've been established here. Um, so God, we are taking the things that you have been speaking in and through this church. We're taking our understanding of what you want from us in Scripture. And then we're taking who you've made us to be and what we're discerning. And we're trying to press into your heart and your will for Alliance Bible Church in this city. So God, would you stir us up? Would you resurrect us? Would you excite us? And would you send us out in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen.